Welcome, reanimated fans. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, along with my intrepid co-host, Stuart. Hello, Stuart. Hey, good morning. And we are coming to you over, eventually this will be released, probably post, but who knows. Uh, but this nice. is Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we, we've been, you know, fully feasted, and, you know... I, I still have some apple pie left, but for the most part, we did a good job. We we gave a lot of our, our we, we made up little to-go things because we had a massive turkey, and I'm happy to say that it all got consumed, at least so they tell me. Um, I will say we we had a great turkey this year. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, it was a whole process. Did you fry it, it? Or I thought you were talking about doing that. Is yeah, that what you I was doing? talking about frying it, but uh, buying all the gear uh, and and having to do it in a place where i wouldn't burn down the rest of california were a concern so ended <laughs> up just spatchcocking it and then brining it for three days in buttermilk and then it was pretty good it was it was great no, actually Ooh, it was really good. awesome we did i mean look we so we have sort of oscillated between different methods and we now have landed on one that tends to be honestly it's pretty minimal we just dry brine it with a bunch of kosher salt um threw a couple of apples and spices in it, you know, you know, cover it with whatever we're going to cover it with, like rosemary, thyme, all that crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we put it in a bag. And part of that is because our oven is a little questionable. Um, it's not even in all places for the heat. So uh, the first time we did a turkey in the oven, it was a disaster with because we did it without the bag. But the bag tends to keep it all kind of at the same level. And you must have to cook it for much longer inside the bag, I see. No, no. The bag actually cuts the cooking time uh, by half. So Insane. What yeah, sort of magic so we, bag is this? It's the Reynolds uh, Reynolds oven bag. And hmm. you, you just have to be super careful that it's not touching any, obviously, any heating elements in the oven. So you have to make sure you have enough space in there. But uh, our 18-pound turkey took about two and a half hours. So... Um, and then, you know, and the only thing I would say, just the method, the method that the two drawbacks is that when you do the brining in the way we did, you can't really do uh, gravy out of it. So we get the gravy separately from our, wait, hang on, 18 pound Turkey for the two of you. Well, we were making to go things for our friends that would normally, we would be hosting. So uh. that's why we, and also because, uh, I will say, I will own up to the fact that we, we kind of like didn't know what we were going to do and we waited too long to get our turkey. And so all the small ones were gone because probably everybody was having smaller Thanksgiving feasts. So the only thing that the lowest poundage was 18 pound. We were planning to get probably like a 15 pound turkey. So it wasn't that far off because um, we knew we were going to make stuff for our, our friends and our neighbors. Because um, we have like, you know, a lot of the friends that we host would definitely not normally make their own feast. So, um, you know, so this this was a way that they could, even though we couldn't all be together, they could actually enjoy the day. So we did that. In in between all of this, I was watching our uh, Walking Dead, the world oh. or world beyond, and uh, we, we're, we're going to talk about the last couple episodes. Um, but before we get to that, we have some news items. So, uh, like the biggest one to me. Or the most noticeable one was this photo or picture, this uh, uh, illustration that Walking Dead put on their Twitter feed over the over the holiday weekend, uh, showing the uh, a, a gathering at a Thanksgiving table, and there are layers to this picture. And I don't know, H.A., if you've had a lot of time to look at it. I looked at it. I noticed, of course, the helicopters, because that's like a pretty significant thing, and, you know... 
They've got, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this particular illustration. There are a lot of things going on. So um, all the way in the left, you've got four tiny figures of Princess, Eugene, uh, Pirate Lady, uh, Kumiko, and, or Yumiko, I'm forgetting, and the king walking along in the distance. I think the man on the horseback is supposed to be Rick, probably. Probably. Because it's just like a silhouette. And then you've got at your table, Negan... Oh, Lord. Christian Serrano. What's the name of her character? It's Rosita. And then there's Virginia. So they're mixing their uh, uh, peanut butter and jelly here because Virginia is from Fear the Walking Dead. And you got Father Gabriel. You got Kelly, Daryl, Lydia, Jerry. I guess that's Herschel next to um, Maggie. You can barely see his face under a hat. He's got a hat like uh, Glenn used to wear. And Maggie and uh, below Maggie is... Aaron, the masked man, is next to Maggie. Magna, Morgan, that's Alicia. And at the end of the... T- and then um, Coleman Domingo Strand is across from um, Alicia. And at the end of the table is Felix from World Beyond, which is crazy. Yeah, this is all kind of nuts. Uh, and then all the way in the distance by the house is Connie looking kind of lost. Uh, you got... Judith, and I guess that's RJ, dog, and another unknown dog under the table. And um, Carol is reading a newspaper article about the new spinoff shows coming. Yeah, no, there's a lot to unpack in this. It's kind of crazy that of all the character, all the characters of the cast of The World Beyond, they went with Felix. I think that that might yeah. speak quite. Uh, that is that. That's interesting. Uh, and then there's also that little. There's also that little mask right down there by Carol's yeah. feet. Whatever that's supposed to mean. I don't know. Didn't yeah. That one I was just like, oh, now they're just messing with us. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's from the original painting. Who knows? Because clearly this is just a doctored painting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it before, but it looks for real. And then anyway, the so whole little writing that says the end is the beginning. Well, which. Is straight out of uh, the last episode right. that we uh, we're going to be talking about today from World Beyond. So anyway, I thought this was interesting and telling, and I also think that they're messing with us to some degree. So there's there too. Yeah. There's that too. Um, I sent you this. Um, well, I sent you a couple things. Uh, not to get into the COVID talk, but uh, AstraZeneca's vaccine has now released a little bit more. Unfortunately, I think um, not the best news because. There's a couple of things going on with it, which is that um, one part of how they did the vaccine, there was some issue with the manufacturing. So people got a half dose and then a full dose. And they found that that little cohort of people actually had a higher level of resistance to the virus than people who got two full doses. So I think they need to tease out a lot more on this and they probably need to do a longer trial, um, which is unfortunate because this is the cheaper of all the vaccines and also the most stable so we'll see what happens, but I, at the moment, I'm not super jazzed about uh, what they're releasing and how it seems like it's a bit of a mess and a little bit of a mess, apparently, how they uh, sort of went about these trials, which is a bummer because this was like one of the things that I was excited about given where they came, where they had their research sort of had a head start on other things. Um, but we'll see. Maybe I'll be, maybe they'll redeem themselves, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time and I think that the other two vaccines will probably be far ahead at that point 
Um, I mean, and given that there's new uh, vaccine news that drops every time we podcast, I think we'll hear something today or tomorrow. <laughs> Probably. Um, and then not totally, sort of a little bit related, but not really totally. But so I don't know, uh, had you see, follow this in the news? I had followed it in the news because it is significant in terms of COVID. But basically, um, they found... Um, COVID virus in minks, which were being raised in Denmark, and not just in Denmark, other places too. But what they found was that the virus had mutated, and the way it had mutated, they were scared because it was sort of the piece that the mRNA vaccines, the the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, or they were scared that this is it. But um, basically, it was the thing that they were targeting with these vaccines, and this particular mutation, I guess, does, doesn't have whatever that spike is that mm. they were targeting. So the um, government of Denmark freaked out and ordered that like hundreds of thousands of minks be destroyed. I think millions. Millions, it? yeah. It was a big number. I mean, a huge number. I mean, I, look, I'm a, I'm a person that is, I am definitely not into fur. Um, so I just, you know, and I think there's been long... Uh, debates and they're they're not treated very humanely anyway so i mean there's that too but that said this is the livelihood of all these people um so that there was a lot of question about the legality of ordering these destroyed well apparently they didn't do the destroying the destroying too well because i guess there's these headlines that zombie mink are rising from the the grave um but apparently what it actually is uh, is that they didn't dig the um which is also this is also like a terrifying scenario but they didn't dig whatever like mass graves for these minks uh or mink um they didn't it was very shallow so as corpses are wont to do they were filling with gases and whatever and it seemed as if they were coming out of the ground but it was just you know gas i guess um so then they just, just bubbling said, up out of the ground yeah but it's also like the idea that they're shallow enough that their little their little mink bodies are coming up through the ground and that this could i mean you got to be worried about virus spreading or people somehow coming across it so then they decided to dig deeper and bury deeper, I guess. But the whole thing sounds like a complete disaster to me. Um, and then the idea of a, you know, of a mutated virus somehow being out there is also a little bit terrifying. Um, this has actually been a pretty stable virus in the way that it's gone about. It's still kind of the same. Um, they can tell where different parts of it came um, through minute changes, but overall the structure of it has stayed the same, the same and relatively stable, which is actually good news on the vaccine front because unlike the flu, which tends to do have like a, a bit of drift, which is why the matchups aren't always the best every year, this apparently is pretty stable, which means that the current vaccines they've got will hopefully work very effectively. Um, so there, that I don't know. What did you think of it? Like, this is all just kind of creepy to me because then I, of course i'm like well if they're like this in mink what else is what what other animals are they mutating in i don't know yeah we already know that you can get it from dogs god mm -hmm. no I, I don't even want to think about it i'm hoping that the uh vaccine industry is taking all this into account and we're going to have something useful in the next six months otherwise yeah. this is going to be a long long issue yeah. however when you're invited to go and meet your cousin's fiance and the conversation comes around to the zombie apocalypse as it often will and you say you know what in the zombie apocalypse i'm just going to board up my house and stay inside with my cat 
and then your your cousin's fiance says to you, but what if somebody else could take better care of your cat? And you say, no, my cat's going to stay with me in my house in the zombie apocalypse. And then you are uninvited to your cousin's wedding <laughs> as a result of this conversation. Well, okay. You might end up on Reddit uh, writing might. about this. Um, well, my question for you is, do you think that, first of all, I think that maybe people are having more of these conversations for obvious reasons because of where we are right now. So maybe Definitely. the question isn't necessarily about a zombie apocalypse, but hey, if you got sick with COVID, what's going to happen to your animal? And I get that kind of thing. This seemed to kind of go off the rails in an insane way. Um, the the guy in question, the poor dude, like he was just basically saying that his cat was like a special needs cat and wouldn't survive the zombie apocalypse. And I think he was very specifically talking about a zombie apocalypse, but I suspect yes. that the other people were not. Maybe they were veiled or maybe this was like a subconscious discussion about COVID. Um, and in any case, he really was puzzled, but also said, well, maybe, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And then he goes into like all sorts of details about the special needs of his poor cat who has like half its teeth and, you know, just separation as, anxiety. Yeah, it sounds like, like a real mess, like the whole thing. But I do feel kind of bad for him. I hope he makes up with his cousins. Um, and then somebody it's, it's, it's an it's absurd thing to get uninvited from yeah. a family wedding for. But... Well, and somebody also said, well, maybe she secretly covets your cat, the, the yeah. fiance, and that's possible too, I suppose. Oh, you're obviously the best choice to take care of poor Mimsy. Um, should anything happen to me, come on, lame. Anyway, I thought it was silly. Uh, you know, hypothetical zombie apocalypse conversations should all be held behind a wall of. Um, this is hypothetical. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah, then move yeah. On. Um, and then H.A., what is your Shaun of the Dead character, uh, according uh, to the Zodiac? Mine's like the dumb cousin Tom who's like the Ed stand-in. I never went out on these things. <laughs> I got the pick, news anchor. Yeah, like, they never <laughs> pick, like, you and I always are at the lower end of things uh, on these things, and I think that's just crap. But anyway. Uh, actually, no, the last one, I was Lupita Nyong'o, so oh, well, I 100% right. won. And because she was a badass in Little Monsters, and that, but this did. time I'm the I'm the guy who reads the news in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, who? Yeah. yeah. No, didn't really work for me this time around. But you can't win every time. Yeah. The next thing up is how to I guess how to train to survive the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Um, and it basically this is another, you know, silly listicle, but it's about um, if you want to like basically build the odds in your your favor for surviving the zombie apocalypse it's giving like some tips and you know some of these are actually you know cardio the the kind of thing um that we have seen in a zombie land the basics of sprinting and then doing parkour or or you know that kind of thing so it's just kind of silly um and and goes through why and it brings up running like at least twice um, but then it throws in things like swimming and, and climbing and all that kind of thing. So what, what are your thoughts about, about surviving? What do you, what do you think your odds would be? <laughs> oh, fairly low considering how sedentary I've become during COVID for sure. But, um, you know, they, they want you to be like a crossfitter. I think, I think being wiry and, uh, agile is probably 
way better and more important than um, being jacked, like many of the images they're using. But this is from a website called Fitness Vault, and I mm-hmm. think that they are they're more into like power lifters than well, um, than other types of fitness. The other thing I would point out, um, just in terms of some of these super jacked people, is that they're not necessarily fast moving, right? Because they have way too much bulkiness yeah. going on. And they do they do say that in the first paragraph, they're like, look, if it's slow zombies, a power lifter might be okay. However, if this is, you know, um, 28 days later style, you better be able to to sprint. And then they're like, and power lifters uh, can be good sprinters because it's a power exercise that you mm. need to develop the explosiveness to sprint away from zombies. And I, I'm, I'm more of thinking like, I think you probably want to be an ultra marathon runner. Yep. I think that would an ultra marathoner might work out or. You know, like if you're, as you said, like doing like cross training and stuff like that, because you're trying out these different skill sets. I definitely would be on the lower end of survival because, you know, my knees and ankles can't deal with the running on pavement or hard surfaces. So that's difficult. So maybe if I was running in a field, um, I can go. You could pick where you were going to run away from zombies. I mean, look, if you're talking about like endurance, I could go for a really long time, but I'm not ultra fast, you know. So, so there's that issue. Or in um, a rowboat, I mean, I, if I was in a boat, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, um, I think my best option would be to probably hide. Um, but the funniest, the funniest section of this article is the swimming one for me. I'm like, no way. I mean, you might end up in water, and that's a bad thing because water is right. typically not a great place for you to be during a zombie apocalypse. In general, I think. Know it's... how to swim, yes, but don't like focus your zombie apocalypse exercising on the swim as like something you need to really excel at i feel like the climbing part is definitely a helpful thing though i think we don't i don't really have a ton of climbing skill um other than you know the things i developed when i was a kid but i would assume those skills were kind of rusty um like you know when you would just be like all right i'm gonna climb that tree um and you don't have a fear of falling like you do when you're an adult but um you know i think that those kinds of skills are probably the sprinting and the climbing are probably the most helpful. So, yeah. Um, but speaking anyway. of sprinting and slow, fast zombies and skill sets, are you ready to dive into our recap and slash uh, review of the last couple episodes of uh, walking dead world beyond? Yeah, let's do this. These two were released as a twofer. But they don't really have, other than just continuing the story, they don't feel super joined. They, no. they could have been they could have been dribbled out, but I'm sure they did this just for sequencing. Uh, and it's The Deepest Cut, directed by Sidney Freeland and written by Maya Goldsmith and Ben Sokolowski. And then uh, In This Life, directed by Magnus Mertens, Martins and written by Matthew Negrete, the showrunner. Maya Goldsmith and Ben Sokolowski. So there was some continuity in terms of writer writers, and it does mm. basically pick up from one to the next. But uh, that's the two. I didn't watch them in a row. I watched them one then the other. So, but stepping back and looking at this, yeah, I got to say this show earns its forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it does not finish strong. No, there's a lot I got to unpack here with you. Um, <laughs> um, there's a couple of things that I do like about it. Um, you know, I think uh, there's a few things with Elton that I do like. 
um, that happens. Elton is, yeah, Elton to is me, the, probably the bright light of the show. Yeah. And, Felix, and Felix. Yeah, and he's like, to me, this is like the stuff with him is the strongest out of this. Um, and unfortunately, I think some of the storyline with the sisters and specifically as it relates mm. to the the bigger <laughs> overall plot, I think is super weak. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I have to give you a disclaimer that I'm not going to be able to stop myself from laughing um, about the sisters. Oh my God. I, it was like, it, it wasn't just laughing. It was sort of like groaning. I don't know. Like <laughs> oh, I was just, I could not, I was just laughing my ass off by right. the end of well, the, one the of second my biggest, One of my biggest issues with this show is some of the dialogue that they choose to have between um, the sisters and their big reveals that are things that are clearly not what they have built this character to be. It's not even like you've seen this with the characters. Like they just suddenly drop this in as this big, like giant reveal. That's BS. And <laughs> that's just part of complete, what makes it so funny. It yeah. is what makes it funny. Um, and then they have like things, you know, they have, they, and they've done this a few times in this, they have done it once or twice in the original walking dead. Um, and even fear the walking dead, but they do it so much more here, which really pisses me off. And it's like, they'll have characters talking to each other and they'll be like in a daunting situation and be like, how are we going to get through? Because we can, because we have to. Um, we see this a lot with, um, oh God, why am I forgetting her name? Um, the videotape in Fear the Walking Dead. Al, Al does this a lot. Um, we, I, yeah, that that speech I immediately wrote down. I'm like, I've heard this speech yes, before, and I think Al. it was in Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah and we've done the impossible. We can do anything, right? Like, eh. nah. But uh, also, get a new speech, guys. We've heard this speech before, and it was like last season in Fear the Walking Dead. Right, and also don't be like I don't know, like so that that stuff. Let go before going into it. That agree, there is some laughable laughable moments in this, and not for a good reason. Um, but let's talk about Elton, and let's talk about the deepest cut. Um, so we have. Oh, but before before uh, the very beginning of this, the what's the name of this episode? I forget already. But the deepest cut. You just said it. Yep. Um, it starts with Huck driving the truck. And she has a flashback to meeting with her, her mom. It is her mom, I guess. Yep. Right? Because uh, they talk about the watch and blah, blah, blah. And what is it with the evil sandwiches? Only the bad guys get to eat sandwiches in this show, in this yeah. universe. And like, it's, almost Dwight... like, it's almost like a sandwich appears. And therefore, you know, if a sandwich appears, you know something nefarious is happening. Somebody paid for that sandwich in blood. And and typically that is the, the case. Like Dwight's sandwich famously with that whole montage of sandwich making at the Savior's Camp. Uh, it was great, honestly, because it had a great, uh, really good song. And it showed like what his life was like. And I actually loved it. But then Dr. Belshaw was eating a sandwich in one of the post credit mm -hmm. scenes. This season, which H.A. has never seen and never will. But uh, And then Kublik offers or yeah, Huck gets a sandwich and she's like, oh, no lettuce. You remembered like she even has a custom sandwich in the right. apocalypse. Do you know what's really funny? This is why you and I are definitely friends or one of the many reasons. But I wrote in my notes, Dwight sandwich. Dwight sandwich. <laughs> I was just like, sandwiches are evil? Question mark? Question mark. Well, because apparently. <laughs> or I, mean, I guess access yeah. to sandwiches implies some nefarious evil plan. I don't know. It's a really yeah. funny thing. Like, I feel like there must be a real sandwich hater on the show or the sandwiches have symbolized something that we're not getting here. But I kind of love whoever's doing it. <laughs> 
because because a sandwich represents the bringing together of so many ingredients maybe and and that in, in both cases that we've seen it that includes the exploitation of the farmer i True. i assume maybe? is what this means or the artisan is exploited uh, because there is no scenario where a sandwich is being made by happy people. <laughs> no, no. These are all very unhappy and sad forlorn sandwiches. We haven't even seen inside the CR. They might be the happiest farmers ever. But um, it, you just because it's the, the, the bad guys eating the sandwiches in every scenario, we are led to believe this can't be the case. Right. There's also an awful lot of nefariousness going on about this watch that she's been given they yeah. bring it up again a thousand times just about that this was her dad's and, watch. And yet and... nothing. By the end of the season, nothing. Right. Um, so in any case, um, and it does, I guess, drive the point home because it gives the uh, Kubla character a chance to basically tell her daughter that, you know, they're kind of doubting her a little bit and there's a little something going on because she was late and there's this whole weird double speak about the watch and you know all like that the watch is supposed to make it so she's on time and look I, one I have of the to... things that um huck says in this back and forth is if people are doubting me remember look what i did to my face and i spent the days on that raft and my arm and which makes me think we was this marine corps flashback even real, real? i know that's like i was like now are we d doubting what this flashback was or was that something she was telling hope to get her trust now it's very now it's sort of like okay unreliable narr narration narrator um so what is real so i guess that yeah that was definitely i flagged that too and i was like so what was this was this just what she was telling hope um so now we have to question that too um the other thing i would say is that okay so she's out on this mission she's supposed to get the asset which is clearly one of the girls. Um, and she makes all these comments just about um, how the girls are ready. And like, okay, so if the timing and if the mission and all this stuff is like they're on some kind of a schedule or whatever, but it doesn't seem like that's how it would work anyway. Like you, you have these people going across the country. Um, they didn't anticipate that they would get a car, so it probably would have been even longer. You've got Huck trying to like get away from the group for a little bit to be able to report in. Um, I kind of feel like they would give a little bit more leeway here than apparently seems to be the case. Um, yeah, right. And you know, uh, there's so there's there's a lot of this stuff that both the 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 CRM is all knowing and yet not, and so there's it's inconsistency in this this storyline that troubles me. Um, and then you've also got Huck, like that she definitely cares about the people in the group and she overall has to make decisions. Um, and, you know, we, you and I both assumed that she had killed Tony and, and at least injured Percy before. Um, and that is clearly the case. Um, but you've also got these things happening between her and I'm, and I'm going to blend these two, these two, uh, episodes, I'm sure in my head, but, um, so you've got like, other than sort of her behavior that we as the audience can see because we're, I wouldn't say we're, we're somewhat objective because we're not in the situation, obviously. You've got things happening, like, ma again, it's like this magical um, sort of thinking from characters where they jump to conclusions and you don't know how they got there. So you've got, you know, Hope and Iris hanging out with Huck. Huck is clearly grooming Hope for something. 
Um, and so you, I mean, I kind of assumed hope was the asset, even though the ridiculousness that they now like sort of ascribe to her is let's is, can we not do the asset stuff until later because that's just a whole ball of wax well no i was i we can talk about that later however there's things where it's like iris suddenly stops trusting huck and it doesn't <sighs> yeah seem it comes to, out of nowhere it doesn't come from anywhere you don't see where it's coming from it's like a gut yeah. feeling that she has and that's because like she's the, got intuition that's part of the genius oh god oh uh, lord anyway back in the truck you've got also huck is driving past a sign that says ithaca and syracuse so they are in new york mm-hmm. they have effectively skipped right. and i take this personally illinois yep uh, Indiana, Ohio, and a bit of Pennsylvania, at the very least. Yeah, they skipped four states, and and really the the service we were given of them crossing Iowa was nothing. Like, the, I feel cheated. Yeah, I wanted, well, to, see, I wanted not, to see more of the Midwest, but it's like, oh, they're flyover states anyway. I wanted to see more of the Midwest. I also wanted to see them. Like, the thing that has been somewhat disappointing in this is that you kind of want to see what's happening. Like, it would have been really cool to see at least, like, Chicago or something like how the Some. rest of the world... I mean, I, I get it, because this is kind of... Like, these huge set pieces are pretty hard to pull off, especially, apparently, with what they're working with here. But, yeah, and the um, budget was maybe not up to the task, because yeah. the walkers in this uh, in these episodes, and maybe it's just because they're 10 years in walkers, and walkers have been pretty rare in this entire show... But don't you feel like they looked a little clunky? Oh, yeah, they definitely did. They're definitely not the same walkers. I mean, and I think they are trying to give some kind of deference to the time passing where they're like a little bit more rattly or whatever you want to call it. But they have giant heads. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to see a lot more um, of that, like sort of what was going on in the rest of the world. Like, um, I, I don't know. You, it's kind of cool to see little like... I don't know when they come across a house or they come across buildings or towns or whatever and to see kind of what's going on there. Um, you know, like I, I thought that stuff w- would have been more interesting, um, yeah. but they don't do that. So they skip over all of that and they end up in Ithaca. Um, so but, kind of fast and Huck purposefully crashes their vehicle and so that they can be on foot so that she can work on separating out the asset. Uh, the thing that happens right after this, they, they're like, all right, let's walk. We'll find shelter. It's two miles behind us. Um, and then they're suddenly surrounded by zombies that are all linked with barbed wire. Yeah. Which is, uh, I my mind boggles. Like, yeah. how does this happen? And also, it's, they managed to somehow close the circle super quick. Like this Zombies even make all sense. connected by barbed wire would just end up in like a knot, like a yarn ball of right. barbed wire on the floor, I have to think. Not not in some giant circle perfectly designed to capture this group of people on the road. Well, and I mean, my first thought was that this was some CRM plot to try to... Me too. And and it didn't turn out to be that. It just turned out to not be... Not that smart. No. No, just, just an um, accidental uh, barbed wire zombie chain. Yeah. Um, and, and and during this fight, somehow, we don't see this during the fight. We see it as a flashback later. Huck is able to deftly slice through Felix's Achilles tendon without anybody <laughs> noticing and without, like, um, handicapping him for life. Yeah. It's kind of insane. And he, he believes that he just got sliced on some wire. Uh, I, to me, I... I I just don't think he would have missed out of his peripheral vision that she was swiping at him with a big spear. First of all, there would have been a lot of noise right behind him. Uh, she w- could have just easily 
cut off his foot, you know? I don't know. It seems really insane to me that she was able to do that. Yeah, and I mean, he would be probably even more hurt than we see him. I yes. mean, we think it's Barbara at first, and it's clearly infected, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. But if she did this to him, he would be down. I don't think he'd even be able to walk. No way. Yeah, um, not even not even limp. Like, right. people who, when this happens on the show, we've seen this happen to other characters on the show or in other uh, products. Yeah, you fall over and you're done. You're not walking. Right. Plus blood loss, all sorts of other stuff. But maybe yeah, his boots... I kind of thought he'd been bitten for a while when yeah, his, uh, he's peeling that bandage away and it looks super nasty. Yeah. Um, but no. Yeah. But no. She's, it's, it's, anyways, she's, so, just, she's so artful with how she cuts him that apparently they, it's just a flesh wound. The, the pressure that's on Huck for her to complete her mission and to do it in a way that she's choosing to do it, which is mercifully, I guess... It's astronomical. Yeah. And they're putting uh, an awful yeah. lot on, you know, I guess, I guess like this is my bigger thing. Like if there is a quote unquote asset that they're trying to get, um, they have the means, they have like all the stuff that they could do. I mean, I don't know that this method that they're going about with Huck makes more sense, makes any sense at all. Cause they clearly can sort of deploy a bunch of people. They can pick them up like they did with Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we don't know what happened to Rick, but, like, we do know that they have the capability of just sort of plucking somebody. Yeah, there's um, no need for this. Honestly, as soon as they got far enough away from the colony, Huck could have said, all right, we're here. Come and get us. Right. So, I mean, so we've got this whole, like, mishmash with Huck, the girls, and Felix, and she's, quote, unquote, trying to keep everybody safe. Um, I do think that obviously she does care about Felix and Iris. Like she doesn't want to kill them. She has no qualms about new people, which means like Tony, of course, bit it and, and she didn't care about Percy. And look, those, those are people that are wily and um, have, you know, managed to sort of like steal stuff from CRM in terms of fuel and all this stuff. And now that we know she's CRM, it makes a little bit more sense that some of these places have been abandoned. I don't know that she's been communicating and telling people to steer clear of the places that they're, they're heading, but maybe that was going on. Maybe. Um, but, you know, so we've got that whole mess with them. And then we've got the the pretty, you know, which, which we, the more interesting part of the story is Elton kind of like, out on his own in the world. he We thought originally that he would be um, uh, tracking down, what's his face, Silas? Silas, yeah. Um, and he, you know, we, we thought that's where he was, but we see him kind of on his own in the world um, with his mom's book and kind of dealing with the aftermath of the news that his mom is dead. And um, that she murdered somebody and he's yeah. taking it, he's like kind of, He's flipping out. And this is good. I think this is good. Uh, Him tearing the pages out of this manuscript that's been this like holy grail for him the whole season is is pretty powerful. And the fact that he's still hauling around all of Silas's crap is also kind of cool. And I like that this didn't move quite as fast as I was hoping it would. The getting the boys together. But it happens in this episode, basically, doesn't it? Or no, uh, I guess Silas happens in the next episode. The next one. But it does in this one, um, you know, he's he regrets tearing his mom mom's book apart and then yeah. like tracks down the 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 page and comes across Percy and I do like how they did this because Percy's pretty injured like he's clearly got blood loss he's been shot yeah. um they do a really I did like how this whole interaction and storytelling Oh me went. too. It was too. very cool. Um highlight highlight of these two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. So they, you know, you have him coming across Percy who's in a like 
really in a vulnerable position because he's lost so much blood. Um, Elton saves him from a walker and then basically starts, little Elton is trying to like carry Percy and drag him. Um, and it sort of oscillates between like Percy is clearly not conscious and Elton is kind of protecting him and dragging him with him and is just totally determined to save him. And he discovers on his own that Percy has, I mean, he looks at the wound and it's not a bite wound. It's clearly a a shot. Um, And so there's all sorts of weird things going on in Elton's head, but he's imagining, you know, the, this narrative between him and Percy and Percy is sort of like coaching him through different things. And I really loved this sort of this, this narrative where Elton is actually truly alone because he can't talk to Percy yet he's talking to Percy. I don't know. I thought it was like a, a weird little Jiminy Cricket kind of. It was well thing. done. It didn't take, it didn't take, it didn't drag out too long no. before you knew what was happening because Percy's the one who's like, uh, you know, I'm dying and you should just check the wound to make it. I know you don't want to, but you should just look at it. And like they, they peeled back and let you see what's going on. And then ultimately Elton is able to take down four zombies. Although really he only kills one of them. The other three just lie down. Yeah. Uh, one of them really... literally he hits him on the knee and then it just lies down and doesn't get up again and I'm like ah, zombies are not what they used to be well I actually thought this was going to go I thought he was going to be taking care of one and then one would like get Elton or get uh, Percy so mm. I really thought but I loved that they bring back the fisherman thing that he has to like show how he's going to do it and how he overcomes the odds I mean I will say if he had gotten his like gotten his crap together he probably could have taken these out easily if he had just run down and met them before they even got close. Um, because there's not that many and they are sort of slow and decrepit, but, um, but I did like this. I thought it was a good thing and how he just can't bring himself. He, this is just who he is. And I did love how that showed so much about this character and, you know, he's been, we've seen his little pristine corduroy suit throughout this thing and it gets all bloody and that's sort of like, I mean, he's basically been, um, baptized into this new way of thinking, which I think is pretty cool the way they show it. Um, and he's been like the, I, even though he's, he's all along been like, Oh, this world is going to end. We all know he doesn't really believe that. Like he really is this person that's like, Oh, this is, this is my new family. This is my chosen family. I'm going to go after Silas because it's right, because I don't believe he did these things. I'm going to save Percy because it's right. Even, even though I have very mixed feelings about him, but I'm still going to save him because he's vulnerable right now. Um, and I think that there's definitely a little curiosity. He wants to know who the heck shot him. Um, and he probably knows in his own head who it is, but it takes Percy actually waking up and being like, no, get off the walkie talkie. Huck's evil. Like that, that kind of moment I thought was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. The timing was a little, uh, suspect, little perfect. But yeah. Um, meanwhile, Percy, not Percy, Felix and everybody else ends up at this retirement home, uh, where immediately, Everybody starts giving uh, Huck like side eye and giving her these like suspicious glances. This is where this part comes in. It doesn't oh, make any sense. That they they got to this conclusion, and Iris starts confiding in um, in Hope, yeah. saying, "Oh, I don't think that she's on the level. I don't trust her, et cetera, et cetera." And you're like, "You where have zero reason from? to do that." Yeah. Uh, I I really wish that they'd taken off. Felix's shoe and sock and like actually tended to his wound instead of just letting him deal with it on his own. Like it's kind of bananas. Um, And 
yeah, I don't know. This this uh, retirement home is super safe. Uh, again, like everything in this show, zombies only show up uh, when they're allowed. <laughs> when they can either make like an interesting timer set piece or when, yeah, it's they're, they're so convenient in this whole series. Right. It's kind of kind of dumb. But the, a lot of this episode is also in flashbacks introducing Will, mm-hmm. uh, Felix's uh, lover. Well, and also we're seeing a little bit of what's happening with their dad at the facility um, who has apparently, I don't know, it, it's like clearly he has suspicions about CRM, but he's we see what's going on, why Felix ultimately didn't go on the journey, and then there's the whole thing with Will and how he met Will. Um, it's kind of messed up that Will takes Felix's place and, and Leo's okay with that, and he's like, Will told me this is what you need or something like he gets yeah. really involved in their business. Yeah, it's kind and, of strange. And Will is like, you need to be more accepting of other people's control. And I'm leaving now for months <laughs> or for an unknown amount of time. Goodbye, boyfriend. Well, and I also think that part of this was set up because how they initially met was talking to Huck and making sure yeah. she was on the level. And I think that they were trying to set up the whole betray, like how much Felix would feel betrayed by that and also how he hadn't figured it out that she was basically a double agent. So I think that they were trying to build that piece too, maybe. Um, There's like very little actual Huck in that. I mean, there's a little bit just with her saying, can we just skip this and be cool, be friends? And she's just using her charisma, Mm -hmm. as it were. But yeah, like the I didn't really... I mean, I felt like there's a connection between Felix and Will, but I did not understand this like uh, eventual like I'm I'm leaving now thing. And it didn't I mean, I get why that would suck, but it didn't make sense to me why Will would have volunteered for it when right. he knew that his he knew that Felix really wanted to go, but also right. didn't feel like good. I don't know. I mean, I it think was, that they like, were I think he knew that Felix wanted to go and he knew that Felix wanted somebody to protect Leo. And I think that that was part of it. But the whole thing, again, uh, they're trying to just create conflict within the show because I also Mm -hmm. think Will would probably have talked about it, you know, (laughs) not let it come up over dinner. Yeah, Yeah. Like I don't. And I also think Leo would have talked about it with Felix, knowing how what was going on with him and Will. Like, I don't think any of these people would have had this all these like weird underlying passive aggressive sort of communication because that's the kind of stuff that gets you killed in this world. So. Like, you have to be direct with people. And so this didn't ring true to me, and I thought it was kind of weird. Um, yeah. So there's there's that, too. But um, now at least we know what Will looks like and that he's right. probably going to come back. And he does, surprisingly, unsurprisingly, in the at the very end. Right. Uh, we also have Hope decoding the secret message at the retirement home uh. where she discovers that Huck's call sign is Raft Embed Agent, yeah. which is honestly... The worst call sign for a secret agent I've ever heard of. It's also the most obvious because it, you know, anybody like could identify who she was. Like, wouldn't it? It's three words. Like a call sign should be like one word. Yeah. Like eagle or I don't know salmon if you want it to be river based. Yeah. Jesus. Um, And also the fact that she's decoded. Come on, you know. And then this is the this is the first sort of like ridiculousness. Not not the first, but you know the um, ridiculousness that we've seen in this whole episode, like 
it's, she's a code breaker now, you know, because yeah. we've seen so much to support the fact that she can break codes. But yeah, this this is the opening salvo in what in the next episode turns into just a a, a tidal wave of idiocy on the part of the writers of this show. Yeah, where we're, we're now supposed to believe that Hope is a genius mm-hmm. uh, independently, and all of that is based on this flashback that Leo has apparently shared that she took apart and rebuilt a computer when she was like seven. Yeah. And that is the basis of her genius. Uh, that is, yeah, where they're trying to, to push this narrative that they've shown us nothing of up until this point. In because fact, she has all kinds of bad decision making. Yeah. Um, and we've seen nothing of this other than maybe the fact that she's able to make champagne, which I admit is probably a pretty good skill set to have in an apocalypse. Um, but like we, we have never seen any of this genius level anything. There's been no. And, and you know what? No way that this would be hidden. No way that nobody that everybody wouldn't know about it. Do you know what I mean? Like this is such a rare thing that she supposedly has and is able like talent and things like that like the dad wouldn't have been talking about that with the crm folks from the get-go give me a break um so the fact that this is revealed in this way and then suddenly they try to like back uh, like they're like oh we're gonna retrofit this into the entire show it's just bs and i thought this was terrible and i was like are you kidding me i laughed like i had to actually Oh, I I was having a good chuckle. I was I had to actually rewind it because I was laughing so hard. I was like, okay, let let me get this straight, and I had to like kind of like re- rewind and, and So watch. we've also had Leo described as like the smartest person at the campus colony, right? right? So he was he's a genius, and he is going to be so hoodwinked by right. his daughter rebuilding a computer and doesn't know that the other daughter had a hand in it too. And wouldn't this be based on anything else other than this one instance, which is all it seems to be based on. Right. Unless in every other scenario, Hope and Iris have been helping each other finish their homework or something. Right, right. No, it's ridiculous. And also the other thing that I find found to be just so ridiculous is that, okay, so Leo's a total genius. He's going to like, if he knows that this stuff is dangerous to reveal to any of the CRM folks, he certainly wouldn't have been talking about this with this woman that he doesn't know. I mean, he's been you know, this other doctor. Well, now they are romantically involved. Well, they are, but he still has a lot of skepticism about what's going on there enough that he hasn't shared these concerns with her. But he doesn't, he doesn't know that she's a baddie because he confides in her after having the worst date in the history of all dates. Right. It was such a long, boring date. It was terrible. Um, And, but what I'm saying is that if he has all this skepticism, I doubt he would be, making vulnerable secrets about his kids if he's worried that other people no way just no way would he do it um and you know and then also he knows that this woman is part of this organization is he going to tell her he has doubts about it no maybe it's all just a miscommunication maybe he was just like you know my daughter hope she's really a wacky one she built a computer when she was like six i'm not saying that she's a genius is like the unspoken part just that you know this was a crazy thing that happened but then belshaw and kublek were like what she's a genius she must be an asset let's go kill the entire colony i know to get her and and embed one of our people and an entire working colony like an entire colony that's doing well that could probably help us out with some of the things that we need like this seems kind of crazy and also by the way they had a lot of smart people working there so we're gonna kill we're gonna kill them all 
Like all these yeah, so people the- that could potentially help us with our, like this seems so insane to me. And also the, the way that he keeps talking about, Oh, Hope doesn't know what she is. Like, it's always like, what she is. It's this mysterious. And then Huck even says to Hope, kid, you don't even know what you are. Or like, it just, or it's all so ridiculous. Really, I'd hoped that she just had antibodies to the virus or something in her blood. Because that would have been more useful than her not realizing that she was a genius. There's a line even in this episode where she's like, I guess I'm smarter than I thought I was. The other part that, well, what I thought it was going to be initially when when Huck yeah. said that to her, I thought it was going to be more than that. Like, I thought it was going to turn out that she was actually the daughter of Kublek or the daughter of somebody important within CRM or, you know, I thought that that, like, she and Iris had ended up somehow in this orphanage and there was something more to this backstory, that it wasn't just that she was a genius, that there was some crazy reason that they were going through all this trouble. But no, that's not apparently what's going on. Um, it's the big, the big thing is that she's a genius and they have to bring her over to the CRM's way of thinking. Um, to get her to go willingly right. to help with the work. Right. And then somehow we're also supposed to believe that Hope, who has the worst impulse control out of anybody that we have seen in the show somehow is able to rein all that stuff in and pretend to be on board with everything because she's such a like subtle personality i mean we're talking about the person that flipped off kublak in the first episode um yeah you know like so (laughs) obviously the work of a genius yes um so i don't know this whole storyline made me like i mean it really was humorous you know it's hard to write for geniuses they should have brought in affleck and uh yeah, Matt it should Damon have been like for, a Goodwill Hunting kind of thing. It would have been awesome. Like, hey, this is how you write a genius. Um, and then the ultimate be- be- like betrayal with Huck and Felix and that whole fight scene, I thought was just stupid. Um, and then the whole like it was system- a very long fight scene. Yeah. I felt like they were fighting for a good ten minutes. Uh, but yeah, it was it was bad. You know, and then the whole stupid reveal that it's both Faith, oh sorry, both uh, Hope and Iris that is combined genius because they work together because, and now they throw in the big intuition piece that we've only just discovered Iris has um, really. Um, and that she actually helped hope with the radio and therefore they have only one piece of the genius, like give me a break. <laughs> and then their whole, their whole little stupid grin girl thing where it's like, they'll reveal parts of the conversation later that happened that you think you saw, but you didn't see. And all of this is just like, terrible um and then we've also got the the trio of gentlemen running around and the boys team the boys team which i you know i like them being reunited with silas i like how um you know elton truly does believe in silas and silas's revelation that he's not a mass murderer or a serial killer yeah i mean i guess they have to do that work but i also found it a little tiring to to watch him have to go through that process because it's like yeah dude all we had to do was see the bullet hole in percy and also all we really needed to hear was huck say i'm a crm agent to know that who did it and so we don't really need to be along for this ride of silas thinking like wait i'm a murderer no i'm not a murderer and i'm gonna have a five minute scene about this yeah sweet yeah Uh, Um, So I was really hoping that they would have accomplished more in this episode, but really all they do is hook up with Silas, who started a fire. (laughs) Yes, hook up with Silas, have the realization that he's not a bad man, and then he's like, I will cut my hand and surrender to the CRM so that you can get away. 
why is CRM looking for the guy who started a fire in this town? Nobody knows. It's uh, it's a little foolish. Also, the the whole scene, the way that scene unfolds, where the CRM shows up, it's daylight. Mm-hmm. The three boys and then are suddenly like, it's night. "We have to get out of here." <laughs> and then cut to another uh, group, maybe I don't know, Huck and Hope. And then cut back to the boys, and it's pitch black nighttime, and the CRM are still just outside their building, haven't made any progress, are still just standing right. there. It's like this is feeling bad yeah, i don't know like i feel like they they messed up this episode in like five different yeah. ways and also by the way they have dogs so it's not like they can't track whatever's happening yeah. you know what i mean they have dogs yeah. like um so that seemed kind of insane to me and then the other part is um well i mean i think that huck probably sent them or they heard, like we do get a bit of this mystery cleared up about how they found the boys or whatever but um, you know, Kublak had been said they had been listening in on the radio, so they knew that the boys were out there somewhere and wanted to clean up loose end, like loose ends, and there's still mm-hmm. some weird distrust of Huck going on. So, um, I guess that's how they found them. But you're right, like this sort of standoff, or at least them looking for the boys, took so much longer than like three boys hiding in a warehouse where they were dumb enough to start a fire, like. Yeah. You know, because they wouldn't have gone. The the whole thing is just kind of nuts. Um, So given that the premise of this entire show has been undermined by the fact that it was based on the genius of two characters who are clearly not geniuses and the fact that CRM thinks that they're geniuses and is willing to kill 9000 people to secure their genius or one of their geniuses. Mm -hmm. uh, At the end of this episode, when Kublik is like, oh, no, Huck, you are a bad agent. The thing you just did, you didn't do it well enough, even though it's an insane mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's like, and I have to clean up the loose ends. And I'm like, who who cares if there are people out there who know what's just happened? CRM doesn't have to care about PR or if like two teenagers uh, know what's going on. Even Felix, I mean, maybe they'll in the next season, next season, they'll be like, and that was the seed that led to the revolution. I'm like, maybe, but CR is at least 200,000 people, I think Kublik said in one episode this season. Right. Uh, they don't have to worry about, about loose randos. ends. Yeah, they and, don't have to worry like, about the people. The negative press. You know? No, and they also don't have to really worry about them mounting any sort of a defense because it's only like a couple of people. Like The resources couple... they're willing to put into this are just ridiculous. Yeah, this is just crazy. So... Except um, in the case where they send one per, one agent to recover this asset. Right. They send in one agent to recover the asset, and yet they send an army to, to go and destroy the, the campus colony. Right. And then there's the other reveal that Huck didn't know that they had done that to the colony. Like, Kublik yeah. implies that she'll tell her later. And then we also have when we... When Will we, appears to know all about it, though, which yes. is kind of weird. So Will gets reunited and knows all about the fact that the, their, the college had been taken down and... He has the sad duty of telling Felix and them about it. Um, and then we've also got, you know, I guess the reason why they have to, to mop up the loose ends is this whole speech between Iris and Felix where they're like, we're going to get hope back and we're going to go and take care of all this. And Felix mm-hmm. is like asking advice of a teenage girl. And he's like, and how are we going to do this? She's like, because we can, because we have mm-hmm. to, because mm-hmm. Hope and I are a super genius duo team. I don't know. We will like, because we can, and this is how we give our lives meaning. And I'm right. like, you know what, what girl? First Ugh. of all, you have a triceratops horn on the end of a piece of wood. Please just walk away. Yes. You're not worth it. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. So this was like the big wrap up. Um, oh, writers. I don't know. Like this was just, 
um, out of the spinoff series. I just think that they really like blew it on this. Um, like there, there were so many cool things that I was hoping to learn in this series. Like I thought there would be a lot more tie in and we could learn a lot more about the CR. Um, and we, we hear, you know, we have learned a little bit, but like, there's still no rational reason why they would give up the resources that they're giving up or destroying, um, throughout all of this. Um, we get a few silly speeches from Kublek about this, um, where it's all about quote unquote protecting civilization. Um, and again, this is sort of the idea that there's like a group of people and their way, it's their way or the highway and, you know, you can't have free thinkers out there and you can't have like all this dangerous, dangerous knowledge. But again, you know, I don't think that a few random people out there is going to threaten you at all. Um, and if you thought it was, you would never even have let the college campus thrive in the first place. So I was kind of hoping there would be a little bit more of the reveal of the power structure of the CR and how they came to be. Maybe there will be more of that later, but Overall, I just thought that this doesn't seem to make sense from any kind of a, if they're what they say they are and they're trying to protect, like, you know, um, genius and crops and resources, destroying all these people that have actually survived and seem to be surviving peaceably and are willing to strike, you know, a balance and strike agreements with you doesn't make sense. Like, we're not talking, we're not talking like, this isn't like the wolves. This isn't like, you know the skinwalker people, you know, like the whispers, like these are not, these are not insane groups. This was like a very civilized group of people. Maybe their, their greatest flaw was that they were, you know, sweater vest wearing, (laughs) uh, unable to defend themselves type people who were raising teenagers in the apocalypse who don't know how to couldn't survive. survive. That's so, you know, as a, as a colony of liabilities, maybe that was the problem. But it didn't seem like they were having trouble with security. They had their leather coat gang. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, yeah. So I, this was an extremely poor way to end. You know, the upshot, I guess, is that now Will has rejoined them with his group of hillbillies for Felix and Iris to, to connect with. And probably shortly, Percy and Elton will connect with them. Meanwhile, Silas and Hope and Leo are all on the inside and we'll see what kind of shenanigans they can get up to. But at the end of the day, I hope that the first thing they do is give Hope a IQ test and it'll be like super average. <laughs> and then maybe the show ends. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a mystery. Um, I don't know. Uh, like, there were so, I, as I said, the thing that I found disappointing um, was more was that I feel like they had a lot of opportunities to do some really cool things with this, things that we were interested in learning about, and they just didn't um, to try to drive this very weak storyline along. Um, And clearly they're trying to build for something else, I guess. Um, I don't know. And maybe this, this setup, because at the end of this, ultimately we've got Hope being taken in by the CR. She's with Kublek. We've got, you know, a little bit of doubt and Huck is showing doubt about what the CR is doing. Um, but, and maybe that will set up for a more interesting next series where we have this be- these people trying to rescue Hope or we have Hope on the inside and we learn more in that way and she'll mm-hmm. be reunited with her dad. I don't know, but I, I just felt like overall this was just a very strange way to kind of go about getting us to this point. Um, very strange. 
without without showing us some of the more interesting things that I would like to see. I would have liked to have seen some more world building. I would have liked to have seen them come across other colonies and what they are looking like. And they didn't even really have to deal with humans and the unpredictability other than Percy and Tony. And yes, that was like, oh, they're bad, but they're good. You know, they didn't have any kind of they didn't they didn't have any villagers sort of in, interactions. And I would have thought that would be more of a common thing. Uh, I, so, yeah, the world building is something that I was excited for, especially when it's in a new part of the United States that we haven't seen before. But they opted to skip over four states out mm-hmm. of six or seven. And that was so to me, that was part of my disappointment in terms of what I would have liked to have seen out of this season. Right. And there's only supposed to be two seasons of this at all, right? Yeah, so, that's, this is this is halfway. We're, we're yeah, almost there. So they don't have that much time to sort of build whatever it is they want to. And so that also surprised me a little bit, too. Like, uh, maybe they felt like they didn't have a lot of time, so they wanted to crush all this stuff into this one season. But it didn't seem to make total sense to me. So we'll see. Um, I know that, see, I don't know when, do you, I'm not quite sure when season two is premiering. Um, but supposedly we get more info um, about... Um, where Rick is going to be um, or where Rick has gone to. Um, in we'll see. One. There's no guarantees of that, you know, but uh, I'm sure if those movies aren't in production yet, they're, they're Andrew Lincoln. I can't imagine. Maybe he's like contracted in hardcore, like ironclad, but doesn't he probably want to get on with his life? Yeah. Anyway. Maybe, but he's still great to be part of it. So we'll see. Yeah. We, uh, I think we've come to the end of our uh, time. Okay. <laughs> for World Beyond, I'm so done talking about this. Me episode. too. Me too. Um, um, but what we, are we are going talk- to do next, Sh- uh, Fear. I think we should do Fear. Yeah, I've seen a few of the episodes, uh, the first few episodes, and there's there's some interesting things to talk about in there, um, and so we will get to that. Cool. I always feel a little guilty after after um, crapping all over, you know, a project like this. But honestly, I know I'm not alone based on the the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. So it's it's not and it's just been it's just been disheartening. I mean, as I said, there were some good things. As I said, I think Elton's my favorite part of the show and Felix and. I just wish they had, as I said, as I said three times, three times mm-hmm. I say it. Um, I think that there were some really good actors and characters in this that they didn't do enough with. Yeah. Um, I, I am very disappointed in what they did with Hope and Iris. I'm very disappointed in what they did with Silas, honestly, because I think that they could have made that character so much cooler. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're redeeming it in the next season. Who knows? But um, I don't like it because the show is supposed to be directed towards YA audience. Um or maybe like just, you know, like a younger audience and it's supposed to be appealing to them. I as I like I don't like it when showrunners and writers and directors act like their audience is dumb. Um I think the most successful shows in this genre are when you assume that people understand what's going on and I think that if you do have this audience that's built into watching this and enjoys watching this kind of thing, they're going to be bothered by the same things we were bothered by. So I just don't like that that's the tack that they took. But 
Um, I look, w- let's see what happens in the next season. And maybe it will be similar, like where Fear the Walking Dead definitely improved. And so maybe they can do a little bit magic on of magic on that. And it'll be more interesting now that we've got all the sort of like bulky, will they, won't they survive out in the wild thing out of the way? I don't know. Yeah. But, but anyway, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Fear the Walking Dead next time. And we'll probably talk about the second season of this once they actually premiere it. And uh, until next time, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, send us an email on reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, or you can leave a note on our website, reanimatedpodcast.com. Um, I'm curious to hear if we're, you know, I'm assuming we're not the only ones who think, think this based upon the, the Rotten Tomatoes rating, <laughs> but I don't know if we're being yeah. too like cynical and negative. I don't know. I'd like to hear opposing viewpoints to that. But until next time, uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great holiday weekend and ciao. Bye. Bye.